if we can just move past the the puritanical shame around sex and if we can just look at it like oh what a beautiful thing that they can still engage in that helps them feel human right sex just humanizes us um pleasure just humanizes us and so if we can just move past our own stuff you know then it's like oh yeah that's actually a really beautiful thing Welcome to the Be It Till You See It podcast, where we talk about taking messy action, knowing that perfect is boring. I'm Leslie Logan, Pilates instructor and fitness business coach. I've trained thousands of people around the world, and the number one thing I see stopping people from achieving anything is self-doubt. My friends, action brings clarity, and it's the antidote to fear. Each week, my guests will bring bold, executable, intrinsic, and targeted steps that you can use to put yourself first and be it till you see it. It's a practice, not a perfect. Let's get started. All right, be it babes, we have one of those amazing guests that you all loved back. And you know how I loved her? Because your downloads don't lie. (laughs) So um, we had her on the show before talking about sex and being it till you see it Um, was one of our most downloaded most listened to most shared podcast and i'm just so freaking grateful and i um interviewed a friend of hers aaron bowdy on the enneagram and i was like gosh you know what i just want to have her back on so uh, it's my show i'm gonna do what i want so i when we were when she was on the show the first time uh we didn't get to the deep topic about bodies and our bodies and how we feel about them in the bedroom or wherever you're having sex. Um, so this episode is about sex. And if you don't normally listen with AirPods and you don't want other people to hear that you're listening to this, then AirPod yourself. Um, however, you know what? Um, maybe you just let people hear about it <laughs> with you. Um, because the more we take away shame and just being embarrassed around this topic, the better it is for all of us and everywhere. So here's the most amazing Dr. Celeste Holbrook for you. And I cannot wait to hear how you love it. loves it's here opc summer camp you know that thing we started last year well we're doing it again this year and we're making it bigger and better than ever because we have teachers from all over the world which means all day long you can nerd out with me at camp zoom from the comfort of your own home in your favorite pilates workout outfit without having to get bugs or dirt or weird camp food that's like some weird slot no you can have the amazing food from your own home you can be whatever clothes you want to be in and you can join us all day long for whatever workouts and workshops you sign up for in fact you can even do a whole day pass and save the most money in fact, up to 56% off if you buy the day pass. So go to opc.me slash events to see the full schedule and lineup of events. If you only have access to a mat, we've got plenty of stuff for you. We've got Reformer. We've got some happy hip Reformer with you. We've got so many amazing things. You can go to opc.me slash events to see the whole schedule, all 14 teachers, and all the goodness that's going to happen at Camp Zoom. And I'm your camp director. Woo! All right, be it, babe. I am so thrilled to have this guest back. So if you haven't listened to our first episode, you are going to want to check out the show notes and make sure you listen to that one next or pause this one, listen to that one, come back to this one because Dr. Celeste Hallbrook is back and in a in just an amazing way. I've been following her since we had her on the show. And first of all, I just want to say one of our top downloaded shows. So people are definitely interested in this topic. So I had to have you back. Dr. Celeste, will you tell everyone who you are and what you do just in case they don't know you yet? Hi, Leslie. Well, thanks so much for having me back. Um, My name is Celeste. I'm a sex educator. I help people find pleasure in the areas of their bedroom and their life. Um, And I'm excited to chat today and extend our conversation from last time. Yeah. So me too. So, okay. Um, One of the things that I think 
we talked about kind of like at the end of our last episode and when we got off of the recording was like just even bodies, like our bot, how we feel about our bodies, how we feel in our bodies, what even society makes us feel about our bodies, can how that can affect us in having sex, being in the bedroom, being in, in the world. And so I kind of wanted to start off with that and kind of hear what your thoughts are and how you kind of work with people in that way. Yeah, for sure. And I think we both, you know, have this interesting perspective about body. You're working so much helping people be within their body. Um, and so I'm really excited to have this conversation in this dialogue because I think it's so important. So as a sex educator, I'm working with people one-on-one, I'm working with couples and something that comes up so, so often is I don't feel comfortable in my body, or I don't feel comfortable getting naked, or I don't want to have sex with the lights on. It's a really common one. Or if I just, you know, fill in the blank, then sex would be better. And so that's probably where I want to start is that in terms of, in terms of sex, the way that your body looks is such a tiny, tiny, tiny part of your sensual experience. So we think of sensuality as the use of your senses. Um, You're talking about the way your partner tastes and the way your skin feels and the way your clitoris feels and what you're hearing, the the noise of your partner breathing. Um, And so you're having this beautiful, big sensory experience that has, and and your, your vision or your partner's vision is such a small part of that experience, right? Um, And it's so clouded by culture and society and what we deem as appropriately sexy. Um, And so you can have the most beautiful, orgasmic, erotic, wild, lovely sexual experience in whatever body that you have. (laughs) It's like, it's not required to look a certain way in order to have great sex. Okay. Love everything. I'm like, <laughs> like, that's just like, please like rewind, save that because I don't think people even think about it that way. The way you just mm. like laid out what um, our sexual experience can be has very little to do with how we look because it's, that's not even where we're feeling. <laughs> and it's, <laughs> right. it's so funny because like, it, it sounds so simple. And yet that none of us are thinking about that. You, like you said, we're like, Oh, if I, if I look a different way, or if I lose some weight, or if like mm-hmm. all these different pressures we put on ourselves as if that's what's going to make the sex better, but that's right. not it at all. What you just said is like, not it at all. Right. And, and, and to be fair, you, you might feel better if you put on a piece of lingerie that you feel really great in, right? But I think as we're going to dig in today, that's more about actually feeling safe in your body than Mm. it is about looking a certain way. Um, And maybe we just jump right in here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. let's go there. Okay. So I have this theory about the way that we interact with our own bodies. And I've been calling it the harm reduction theory. I don't know if that's a great use of that term, but basically I feel like the things that we do, and I'm going to say as women, but this applies for anybody, but women have more pressure from society to appear a certain way, right? Um, the things that we do to manipulate our appearance, um, we do them to help reduce the negative messaging that actually gets through. So think about it like armor, and that's why I call it the harm reduction approach. So my eyelashes that I put on, my nails, or whatever it is that you're doing, makeup, boob job, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is that you're doing to alter your appearance um, is in an effort to feel safe 
from the negative messages we continue to get, right? So putting on eyelashes, putting on makeup, it's kind of the price I pay to be heard sometimes. Like I want people to pay attention to me. So I'm going to look like they want me to look Mm -hmm. a lot of the times. And so I think that helps give us some compassion, both directions, like compassion for the woman who has a BBL, right? We, we want to like sometimes tear her down compassion for the woman who doesn't do anything at all. We want to sometimes tear her down. So, so it's a way to give compassion to all ends of the spectrum, really, of how we interact with our own appearance in the world. Yeah. Um, Yeah. All of that. And I, (laughs) I, it's so, it's so true. Um, You said feeling safe in our body. And one Mm -hmm. of the things like uh, that attracted me to doing Pilates was I actually felt like I was in my body for the first time. (laughs) Like, I was like, oh, I'm, what am I feeling? I've never felt before. (laughs) Oh, oh, this is, this is me being in my body. Right. So like, I can yeah. so un- relate to what you're saying and understand it because I think so many people are disassociated from their body, from feeling things that yeah. one, they don't feel safe inside it because it's not familiar to them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then we are doing all these things. Or we think we do all these things to be like, feel, to feel seen and feel heard. And all of it keeps you from actually just being feeling like all that stuff, feeling safe, unless you are consciously making the choice. I'm doing this because it makes me feel a certain way. Um, yeah. So what are your steps for helping women or everyone listening, but like, how do we start to feel safe in our body? Like how, like, is it, do we need to like touch ourselves more? Do we need to like be with ourselves more? Like what, what are those steps that maybe like baby steps to like the next level? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, since we, since I am usually viewing the lens of sex, let's talk about it in terms of sex. Right. So the, I think the first step really for feeling great in your own sex life and safe in your own body is to just to become aware of what you want your sex life to feel like emotionally, Mm -hmm. because then you can start to build in. These are the behaviors that help me feel the way I want to feel. So let's say you and I are partners and, and we do this activity together. So I sit down and I say, okay, my dream sexual experience would feel, and I really get down to like, what do I want to what do I want to experience emotionally when I'm with you in a sexual experience? I want to feel um, erotic, wild, connected, and loved. Okay. So those are my feelings. And then you write down, I want to feel intimate and close and connected and safe. Right. And so then we look at both of our lists and say like, Oh, we're, we're both looking for connection. We're both looking for some fun. And I, and I have some words over here that maybe you don't have, and you have some words over here that I don't have, but at least we know what we're both kind of going for. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we know emotionally what we want, and then you can start building behaviors. And so if the behaviors and coming around to body in a second, so then the behaviors might be like, Okay, we both want to feel connected in sex. What if we um, spend a little bit more time talking before sex? What if we had more sex where we are looking at each other instead of you're looking at the the back of my neck or something like that? Um, And so then when you get down to the behaviors, then's where, where you start to say like, oh, I feel uncomfortable when you're looking at me straight on, Mm. (laughs) right? Then, then you can start to understand or feel like, oh, that's a place where I feel a little something, something's coming up, you know? And I, and I really don't love the word insecure because I think a lot of women aren't necessarily insecure 
I think they are driven by culture to tell you like, you don't look okay, right? When deep down, I'm pretty secure, but everybody's telling me I shouldn't be because of the way that my body works or looks. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, so I love that you work backwards. That's a great way to think <laughs> about it. Like, it's like, okay, where do we want, where does it work? Where, the end result is how, how we want to feel at this stage. And then yeah. what are the behaviors that will get us there? And then seeing which behaviors feel good or feel like I would like to run away from that right now. And mm-hmm. then going inward on those things. And that can be uh, stuff we have to do around our bodies, or it could be other things we have to explore with our partner or with ourselves. And so that is really interesting. And I also have never had anyone talk about insecure in that way. I think you're completely correct. And you should do a TEDx on this. <laughs> oh, thanks. I, I, should do that. I think you should because, <laughs> because we are walking around thinking we're just insecure when really we actually know what we want, but it's the outside world that's telling us that we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause would you feel that way about your body if you were alone on a fucking Island? No, you would not. No, <laughs> no. So it's not about you. It's about everybody else. Hmm. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. How do we, like, where do we start with that? Do we like start with our children? Do we have to, well, we have to start with ourselves, right. I think, um, yeah. you know, cause actions are taught, not caught, not taught, but, um, okay. So, so, okay. We, 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 we got through the steps of like how we could figure out where, where our work needs to be. Um, what have you found in working with couples and people on bodies that they've enabled, like maybe some steps or some tips or some tools that have helped them kind of get around that? Because I do, I, I hate saying, okay, just turn the lights off because that would be a terrible, like right. your partner wants to see you. I'm sure they are with you. So where, where do we, is it, is it they've got to work with a therapist? Like, is that outside of your scope? Like, what do we, what do you do? Yeah. So some things that let's start here. Most people feel a little weird on some level on some things in sex, like, Oh, like, well, the way that I feel right now is not great (laughs) or whatever. So this is not, you know, if you're listening, I don't want you to feel like you're out of the ordinary. If you feel, you know, these feelings of insecurity or discomfort around your appearance or your body in sex. That's most people. <laughs> You're not alone, right? Um, and so I think the next step for once you have identified the behaviors that you want to engage in that help you feel what you want to feel, then is where you do the work where where you are so beautiful at emulating is embodiment is really, okay, when we're in this behavior that we both agree on brings us connection, how do I continue to get back into my body? Because a lot of times in sex, we will spectator, um, which is where we look, we feel like we're watching the event instead of being inside the event Mm -hmm. or like, oh, should I be louder? Should I be softer? Should I, you know, pull my sheets up over my butt or whatever? And so noticing that, oh, you know what? I'm not in my body right now. I'm going to come back into my body. What does my clitoris feel like? What do my boobs feel like? What is the feeling of my partner's hand on my butt? (laughs) Like getting back into your actual body, using your senses. And we call that anchoring Mm -hmm. Um, and Pilates and yoga and all kinds of different movement activities are really helpful for a lot of people in that practice okay, return, return, return back into my body so that I can have an experience with you that feels fully embodied Mm. and pleasurable and present. 
Um, so the, the process of anchoring is the answer to that question. I yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah. And also like, thanks for bringing up, thanks, shout out to Pilates. Uh, because <laughs> I, I always say like how we do one thing is how we do everything. So if you're distracted in your movement practice, you're going to be distracted while you're driving, be distracted while you're having sex, like you're going to be distracted. Like, like we have to have these moments where we practice how we want to feel and be so that we can draw upon them when it's needed, yeah. like a strength and a muscle. I'm going to totally sidetrack our conversation. Just want you to know that Joseph Pilates definitely created Pilates for sex. He actually, yeah. that's <laughs> told awesome. People, he told, uh, there's a book called, uh, the cage lion, John Steele wrote it and Joseph Pilates took John on a walk and he's like, you need to have more sex. And <laughs> John was like thrown off by this 80 year old man telling him what he needed to do. Um, and he said, all of the exercises I created are so people could have better sex. <laughs> I love that. I really need to know more about this. I need all the information here. <laughs> so it's so true. Yeah. I love that. I, well, and I think like, you know, our, I mean, not our society is so harsh on our bodies and what we're supposed to look like. And mm -hmm. even as a body positivity movement, unfortunately, as women who are bigger bodies, if they do go on a journey of weight loss for whatever reason, personally, professionally, whatever true. that is they're, they're attacked for it. So like on both spectrums, like you said earlier, we are, we cannot win. <laughs> you cannot, it doesn't really matter. Someone's going to hate on you from any side. And so, you know, what have you found? I mean, you have, you have daughters, you work with a lot of women. What have you found to help women who maybe have not realized that they're not insecure, that they just, hmm. that they just haven't owned what they know about themselves and how they want to feel? Yeah. You know, I really love, um, I was on board for body positivity until I realized it was still about the body. Um, and so I, I love the idea of actually just neutrality. Mm -hmm. I don't have to love my body, but I don't have to hate her. Mm -hmm. And so body neutrality is just like, yeah, this is my body and this is what, how she functions this is how she doesn't function. Um, and this is how we're going to work together to get through life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that does mean not shaming yourself for engaging in those harm reduction activities of maybe it is weight loss, right? Maybe it is, uh, uh, surgery, right? Maybe it is something that helps you move through the world in a safer way. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Like we have to be okay with that for women to do that and continue to march towards the idea that my body, I am more than my body, right? <laughs> I'm so much more. Um, and so, you know, it is interesting. I do have, as you say, twin daughters who are 11 and there are no two humans on earth that are compared more than identical twin girls. Oh, she's the blank one. Oh, she's the blank one. And it's always around appearance versus boys that get a little bit more like, oh, he's the athletic one or he's the smart one or whatever. Mm. Identical twin girls um, are compared more than any other two humans on the, on the, on the earth, their bodies, right? People talk about their bodies all the time. So and so it has to be so hard to like observe. <laughs> Oh, I call it out now, actually. So, so much, you know, people want to say like, oh, she's the bigger one, or she's the taller one, or she's the littler one, or she's the whatever one, or she has a freckle, or she has short hair, she has brown hair. Like, actually, Zoe really loves art, and Ella really loves theater. And, you know, I will like redirect the conversation so, so hard, um, just to try and change the way that we automatically make comments about women's bodies um, from the get go. Um, 
to the point where I think I almost went too far. My, my, one of my daughters asked me the other day, she, she asked me like, mom, do you think that I am pretty? And cause I never, ever say anything about their appearance. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I went too far. Celeste. The pendulum so, swung. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I, I guess like that, I, first of all, I think it's amazing that she even came to you. So like kudos <laughs> to like, you obviously taught her a lot, but also like you're trying to protect her so much from that. And she's going to be, they're both going to be inundated with it in all of life outside of the household. So it's yeah. kind of hard. That's a hard, hard thing to walk. But, um, I had not thought about that, about like, just, it's okay to like, like, like it's almost like the word whelmed. It's okay to be whelmed about your body. <laughs> Just yeah. like you can just like it's like it doesn't have to be this thing that I love or I hate. I can actually be very neutral about it. We can all be neutral about everybody's bodies. And then mm-hmm. maybe we'll see even some of those harm reduction uh things even reduce because people right. won't be needing to seek certain ones out or more most of many out just for, for filling scene. Yeah. I I love that you are getting where I'm trying to go. I feel like I'm like all the way over the place right now, but like, that's where I would love. I, I would love us to do just as much harm reduction as we need in order to continue to move forward in diversity of mm-hmm. body and where we can see. And, and I think, and I, and I would love to hear your view on this. I think we've done a, a lot in the last I would say five years. I think we've really like, you're seeing so much more diversity online and oh, you're seeing all these different bots, right? Every, I think it's every really great. Every mailer I get, I like <laughs> will look at, I'm like, oh, they kept her stretch marks in. Oh, they kept yes. this in. And so like, I notice it in a way that like excites me because it becomes yeah. more, becomes, it becomes more the norm. Like you're just saying yeah. that. Um, I'll actually, so where I started, so I grew up in a household where my grandmother was over 300 pounds. She'd lose a hundred, gain a hundred. Fin Fin was mm. like the best thing. She was so sad. It was taken off the market. So I've definitely like, I was in a diet culture household. Um, yeah. I just thought you were on a diet or you would off a diet, but like, <laughs> it was right. like, it was like, there was, was only two choices. Yeah. That's it. You don't just like enjoy <laughs> the food yeah. that you're eating. Yeah. Um, shout out to like the snack wells. Right. So, um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we had three different types of milk in the house. So skim milk, 2% whole milk. <laughs> Because my brother had to gain weight. I should be losing weight. Like the whole thing. That's not my parents' fault. I was doing a modeling thing. So at any rate, um, uh, I do get what you're going with this. And I, the reason those, I noticed those things in a, in a positive way is because when I was a first supplies instructor, this woman came into the studio and I was running the studio and she went to the teacher and the teacher was like, okay, so what are your goals? Like what, what, why are you seeking out Pilates, which is like a typical thing you'd ask people for any reason they're trying to hire you. Right. And the girl goes, well, I want to look like her. And she puts an ad of a woman in lingerie, uh, in front of us. And, um, you know, the teacher was like, well, you're very beautiful. (laughs) I don't like, why do we need to look like her? She's like, cause that's me. She's like, this is, Uh I'm the model and they have airbrushed her. So she's the model for this Uh line. And they airbrush her. So everything that's put out is not her. It's not her her. real body that we're looking at right now. It's not like she had a baby and she's trying to get back to who she was. No, like she's trying to be something that does not exist in physical Mm. form. And I remember going, holy fuck, what are we all doing here? (laughs) (sighs) What are we doing here? How am I contributing to this? Um, I did not have the tools at the time, but like I've definitely in the last five years have seen like how 
there are tools out there that we can, no matter what size business you have, like tap into and also just being kind and like changing different words. But, uh, that was not the first model that I ever saw do that. Another girl, I was at a pool event for a bunch of fitness influencers and she's like, yeah, I'm just trying to look like this again. I'll just like, like this. And I said, I said, I don't really understand. She's like, well, I used, I used, she used her own app to remove her ribs to like look a certain way. And I really was just like having such a hard time because I was just looking at all these people who, because of what society was doing to them or they're doing to themselves, that was actually not reducing harm. It was actually causing more. Causing harm. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, I really like the, where you're going. And I feel like, um, we have come so far in five years, uh, in the last five years, I think we have a lot more work to do on people, not judging people wherever they are on their journey mm-hmm. in their own bodies. And that's, that's where I get like really frustrated. Cause I get frustrated for the girls that, uh, that one of them works for us in another capacity and she's sharing her journey and she was trying to lose weight. She's trying to have a baby. She's type one diabetic and people were just either criticizing her for trying to be a teacher or criticizing her for trying to lose weight. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this poor girl. Like it's not our place to decide what she wants to look like. So I, um, I really appreciate you bringing that up in this episode because I think we can all think about how are we, first of all, forgiving ourselves for doing harm reduction acts that we might be participating in or want to. Um, and then also maybe being kinder, as you said earlier to the people who are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head is that we're all like, we're all trying to feel better. We're all trying to like move in this way towards something that feels like vitality for our own life. Right. Um, and probably a year from now, I'll think back to this conversation and be like, Hmm, I, I would have said something different, right? <laughs> because I think about that on a year ago's podcast mm-hmm. and I'm on a journey too. Um, but I think that us as a whole, and maybe I'm talking about women, us as a whole, moving towards the idea that all our bodies are okay. And, you know, they're all welcome here. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, it's funny. I was listening to another podcast, um, and it's a comedian and she, somebody criticized how she like did a 90 second thing on a holiday. And she said, you know, when you're a professional speaker and you like speak for a living, just about the propon. It's just a numbers game. You're going to say things that you're like, <laughs> I should have said that a little bit differently, or I should have been a little bit more clear or, or this or that. She's like, but sound bites or clips, like, or reels only have 90 seconds. Like you're, <laughs> you're reduced to hoping people can read between the lines. And of course, somebody somewhere is going to take something, especially anything we say even today or any episode I've ever had out of context. And hopefully it is for conversation and not a c- accusation. I think there's a difference there. Like, and I think mm. also, you know, being kind to ourselves about the intent we had at the time we said it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and as we, as we get older, we learn more, the more information, the more people you coach, I'm sure like you'll even, maybe it's not harm reduction theory. It's a, it, you change the words, right. whatever. And I think like, um, it, that's part of, if we can't, if we can even start to be kind to each other for being in process of figuring out the theories that we're working on. Yeah. That's even a, a one maybe step towards being kind to each other about how we look. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for sure, for sure. And like, I recently have been really, um, working on being called in, like, you know, being, being called in for whatever some, you know, this probably happens to you too, happens to everybody. 
somebody DM'd me the other day, like, you know, what you said on this reel or, or, oh, it was a webinar I was doing about menopause was really harmful to me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was not great, a not great suggestion. And I went and got some help from a different provider. And this is what they said. And this was really helpful. And I thought you should know. And I just wanted you to know that this was, this was my experience with your content. I was like, whew, all right though. Okay. Like I went back and listened to it and I was like, I could see where she was coming from. Right. And so the, what I have been working on is creating thickness around being called in so that I can be better, you know? And sometimes people call you and you're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. But a lot of times there is a little bit of a grain of opportunity to learn in there. And so I think it goes both ways, calling in kindly and also not being too fragile about when it happens, you know? Yeah. I think that calling in kindly is like the, is the thing there though. Like I actually love that she cared enough about you. Yeah. And the content that you're putting out there to share that what you suggested or what she heard was not helpful, but here's what was. And I, that kind of feedback is, it does feel like a kick to the stomach, but, sure. but also yeah. it's like, wow, um, had this person not told me, went and got help. I may not know that this, I could reword, I could rephrase this, or I could requalify yep. this or, or, you know, whatever. And I think, so that's really cool. Cause so few people will actually take the time to share that other yeah. people will take no time at all to be kind. And they will just, <laughs> And and for that, it's like hard because it's like, there's no, there's no actual back and forth. There's no way to actually lean into that and, and, and engage in a conversation. So I think it's like, yes, I have had to as well. And sometimes like, you know, we've, I've looked at it and I'm like, okay, I can see what you're saying. That is really not at all the intent of that. And like, how can we keep going forward without having that intent? Like, what do we need to change the words? We need to change this thing. Like, And, um, and so I think, and then also who's saying it also matters to me. Like, I'm like, is this, I might, have I always been creating this for you or are you actually better suited like for this over here? And that's like, so, you know, it's hard to know, but it's like, it's better to even like evaluate and go, where does this feel? Where did I make, like, can I, what can I learn from this? And, um, and then also like, we're always learning. I think it's really hard for as people who are speaking seekers of a topic, of course we're considered experts. And so we are held to a higher standard, but at the same time, like we're still human beings. There's still more to learn. Yeah. There's still types of situations you may have not encountered yet in your expertise. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what you said earlier, um, about like, what was my intent and what was the impact? Like impact always to me means more than my intent. Like, Oh, I didn't mean to, you know, give this kind of what felt like hard advice about, about menopause, but the impact was that she felt unseen and unheard. And so the impact was always more important than the intent for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's also something to talk about with, with this topic is like, you know, there's people who are, you know, in uh, monogamous relationships where their bodies are going to change as we get older, not just menopause, Uh but like, you know, we're going to get older. (laughs) Both parties are going to get older unless you keep trading in for a younger model. (laughs) 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 
But yeah. even then, <laughs> and you know what, yeah. ladies, go ahead. The men have been doing it for a right. long time. By all means, right. <laughs> I, have, I have no judgment on that harm reduction if that works for you. But, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, what are your suggest? Like, I'm obviously, I f- you mentioned like having that conversation with your partner. It feels like that conversation is going to change over time. Maybe even mm-hmm. constantly. Maybe even in a month. Yeah. But also like over the course of our of our relationship. Um, how have you seen people approach that? As that, I mean, our, as we get older, our bodies are going to change. So, like, how have you seen people yeah. approach that? Yeah. Well, I think it's, if we can think about it as a beautiful thing, meaning, um, you're not having sex with the same person for 40, 50 years. You, I mean, it's the same person in your bedroom, but you are totally new people, um, because of your experiences and because of what you've been through and what you're, what you're currently going through. And so in a way it's kind of like, it brings that novelty, um, which we thrive off of in sex. We want things to be novel all the time in sex. And so, um, what I like to teach couples is, that your best bet for a long-term sexually pleasurable relationship is sexual resiliency. And what I mean by that is the ability to, to look at your sex life and go, okay, where can we pivot? Where can we do something different? Okay. You're having trouble with erectile, you're having erectile issues, right? Where can we pivot to where we still experience some really beautiful pleasure and connection, but maybe an erection isn't always required, right? So how do we define sex more broadly? If we define sex based on what we want to feel instead of what we do, right? Then sex becomes like very open um, and maybe sex when we first got together was penis and vagina, you know, so heteronormative, right? But maybe as we age, sex is we're both laying down and touching each other, or maybe sex as we age is um, you giving me some looks across the table from waffles when we're 70, you know, (laughs) and I feel all of those fun, beautiful things again. I used to go um, and teach uh, courses for the early all onset on Alzheimer's unit, mm-hmm. where you have a partner without Alzheimer's and a partner who has just been diagnosed. And we're going to talk about, okay, as the disease progresses, how do you still connect intimately when possibly some consent is going to come off the table eventually, because consent is not um, cl- there anymore, or offered anymore, right? What's your sex going to look like? Is it you know, holding hands on the porch while you watch the sunrise is that mm-hmm. you're going to be your sex eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. And so being able to redefine it over time is the key to sexual resiliency. Yeah. It's almost like you have to like put through, like every year you're checking your insurance things every year you're checking, you're <laughs> making sure you've updated all these things uh, maybe you're like, Hey, where's our consent on <laughs> These yeah, things, yeah. You know? <laughs> yes, exactly. I, you know, exactly. You, um, I don't know if we talked about this on the last episode. We might have. Um, so forgive me, everyone, if it's redundant. No, but fine. when you talked about the Alzheimer's thing, this is uh, there was a New York Times article on elderly, sexually active adults. Yeah, and um, how much criticism there was a judge who whose husband has Alzheimer's and like he had a partner in the hospital that he was with and she was like, so like there was a, there was a picture or something where she was, this judge was famous judge on the Supreme court was sitting with her husband who has Alzheimer's, who was also sitting with his partner 
from the hospital and people are like how could she do that it's like everything is on her like she's just being like brutalized and it's like her husband has alzheimer's he's in a hospital and we're judging that these two people who are like on a different road in their brain than the rest of us are are having some sort of consensual yeah, <laughs> relationship non-monogamous yeah yeah and so i just felt so bad for her but the whole article kind of went into like where we as adults of uh, of pa- like adult children have got to let their parents mm-hmm. sexual behaviors be what they want them to be and it's not yeah. our choice <laughs> yeah yes yeah you can't regulate that yeah yeah they, they tried to regulate you but now you don't get to do it yeah, back you don't get to do it you don't get to do it and it's part of like if you think about you know part of thriving for a parent might be their sexuality and their ability to feel pleasure in that way and you know how if we can just move past the the puritanical shame around sex. And if we can just look at it like, oh, what a beautiful thing that they can still engage in that helps them feel human, right? Sex just humanizes us. Um, Pleasure just humanizes us. And so if we can just move past our own stuff, you know, then it's like, oh yeah, that's actually a really beautiful thing. Yeah. The moving past the puritanical shame. I feel like that (laughs) might be your other book. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, for I feel, sure. I feel like it's a series. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you are totally right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Dr. Celeste. I just adore our conversations. I love exploring this topic with you. I know oh. that it affects so many people. And so just being able to bring that you into their world, into their ears, so they can explore more with you. Um, because you know, um being until we see it is really hard to do if you are not feeling seen and if you are yeah. not experiencing all parts of yourself and it can be really difficult to go out there in the world if like you also don't feel super strong in your sex life or how you feel in your body and all that stuff so mm-hmm. this is just a really wonderful topic this will not be the last time we have you on the show just because i fucking oh, love you so oh, good. good let's do it <laughs> yeah we'll just have an annual at least an annual if not semi-annual <laughs> series yeah, maybe it. we'll do a whole series it's my podcast i can do what i want you um, can do whatever you want <laughs> um before i let you go we're gonna take a brief break and then we're gonna find out people can find follow you work with you and then you'll be at action items All right, loves, it's super important to me that supplements I take are of the highest quality, and that's why for three years I've been drinking AG1. Unlike many supplement brands, AG1 is constantly searching for how to do things better. At 52 iterations of their formula and counting, their team is always trying to find better ways to source, test, and aim to find the best quality ingredients available. I love this so much, guys, because so many people think I have to get it right the first time, and they have done 52 different iterations. I freaking love that. So many people have asked me if AG1 is actually the real deal. I really do drink it, and trust me, there's a reason why I've been drinking it for so long. Quality for AG1 isn't just a buzzword. It's a commitment backed by expert-led scientific research, high-quality ingredients, industry-leading manufacturing, and rigorous testing. At each step of the process, AG1 goes above and beyond industry standards. I know I can trust what's in every scoop of AG1 because it's tested for 950 contaminants and banned substances while the industry standard typically only tests for 10. Holy moly. I know that like I'm a recovering overachiever over here, but I'm super glad AG1 isn't. Okay, so taking care of my health shouldn't be complicated and AG1 simplifies this by replacing multiple health supplements like multivitamins, digestive aids, immune support, and more in just one simple scoop. It's literally just one scoop. It's one scoop in one bottle of water. It's amazing. 
AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. Y'all know I've had gut stuff, so that's why I've been doing it for so long. I've partnered with AG1 for so long because they make such a high quality product that I genuinely look forward to drinking every day. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash be it. That's drinkag1.com slash B-E-I-T. Check it out. All right, Dr. Celeste, where do you like to hang out? What's your favorite social places? What's your website? Where can people work with you? Uh, well, um, I'm on Instagram at Dr. Celeste Holbrook. That's D-R, Celeste Holbrook, um, where we have a lot of fun and we sling a lot of dildos. Um, and you can find me on my website at drcelesteholbrook.com where you, we can work together one-on-one or I can work with you and your partner to create a sex life that feels pleasurable for for both of you. Um, and I just love to hear from you. I, I love hearing what you got to say. Yeah. Maybe I can learn a little bit from y'all. Yeah. So you had a, you had a deemer DM. If you aren't, I hope that you feel safe and secure to share what you took away from this episode, because it would be part of that taking away the shame of this That's topic. Right. That's um, right. so I would, I would love for you to share publicly, but at the very least you must DM her your takeaways. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that would be so great. I would yeah. love that. Yeah. So before I let you go, we had some great ones from you last time, but bold, executable, intrinsic, targeted steps people can take to be it till they see it. What do you have for us? Um, well, I am trying to enact this in my own life. I am trying to um, get on a TEDx stage to talk about pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and so I am um, using the idea of discipline to do and submit applications, even when I don't want to, like mm-hmm. not waiting for motivation. So that would probably be what I have to offer today is, um, discipline used to scare me, um, because I thought it took away freedom, but in, in reality, discipline has opened me up to lots of opportunities. So discipline, even Mm. when you don't feel motivated. (laughs) Mm. What a great reframe of that word. (laughs) Yeah. I hated that word before. Yeah. Well, cause it sounds like you need to be disciplined. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But you're, you're actually taking as like, um, if I am disciplined on this thing that I want, even if I don't want to do it right now, it's going to open up the doors for the things I want. I yes. love that. And, um, you must let us know when you get a TEDx because will. we will have, we have to share it. We'll have to put it in the show. So we'll have to have you back. We'll put it in the <laughs> FYFs. Um, <Yes. laughs> um, it's our new, a new segment on, on, um, the be it pod on Fridays. It's fuck yeah Friday. So you must share <gasps> a win. So we'll have to I share yours when that happens. Um, yes. yes. Oh, I love you. You're amazing. You're doing such amazing work for people everywhere and especially women. So thank you for being here. Everyone, thank you for listening. Um, you know, please, I'd love for you to share this publicly. It'd be amazing. Um, it'd be a step and a, a thing of you. And look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm helping get rid of shame around this topic. Um, however, at the very least, maybe text it to a friend, uh, let us get, get us a review and let Dr. Celeste Hallbrook know what your takeaways were. I would love to hear them. And until next time, be it till you see it. That's all I got for this episode of the Be It Till You See It podcast. One thing that would help both myself and future listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a review and follow or subscribe for free wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, make sure to introduce yourself over at the Be It pod on Instagram. I would love to know more about you. Share this episode with whoever you think needs to hear it. Help us and others be it till you see it. Have an awesome day. 
Begin Till You See It is a production of the Bloom Podcast Network. It's written, filmed, and recorded by your hosts, Leslie Logan, and me, Brad Kroll. It is produced and edited by the Epic Team at Desenio. Our theme music is by Ali at Apex Production Music, and our branding by designer and artist Gianfranco Chofi. Special thanks to Melissa Solomon for creating our visuals and Samena Velazquez for our transcriptions. Also to Angelina Herico for adding all the content to our website. And finally to Meredith Crowell for keeping us all on point and on time. All right, my coffee lovers. I got something for you. And I know most of you are coffee lovers because if you're listening to this, you have lots of things you're doing and coffee is something that you are taking with you everywhere you go. In fact, I know the Plaza instructors around here are taking coffee, kombucha, tea, and water into every class that they take. So this one is amazing because this is Pure Cafe Bold. They have two options for you. They've got black coffee and then they've got a caramel coffee latte, which is amazing. And here's why it's amazing. It's pre-brewed. So it comes in this amazing little packet and you can actually just take the packet in to your office, your work on a plane like we've been doing. And then you pour hot water in and boom, you've got coffee. And this coffee actually has some amazing stuff. It's not just regular coffee. This coffee supports your immune system. It boosts cognitive function, increases stamina, it reduces stress, and it has cordyceps. And what are cordyceps, you ask? Oh, that's right, Brad's here. Nature's powerful secret energizer, a rare species of fungi, cordyceps is renowned for its invigorating properties and centuries-old use in traditional medicine packed with essential nutrients. This natural adaptogen boosts stamina and supports overall well-being. And seriously, it's actually super simple to make. Leslie and I have taken it camping. Yeah. I'll use it in the afternoon. We're taking it everywhere because I'm tired of conferences and different hotels having burnt coffee. It's a thousand times better than the terrible coffee that you get on an airplane. And the black coffee is like less than a dollar a packet. So it's like, it's really kind of amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a big fan of the caramel myself. He the does caramel like has it. a little bit of, uh, of milk in it. So. It has some dairy. So my dairy free peeps, you can't do the caramel, but you can do the black, right? Yeah. The black coffee is vegan, keto, gluten-free, non-GMO, nut-free, dairy-free, fat-free, and CGMP compliant. All right. So here's the deal. You need to go to beitpod.com slash coffee, B-E-I-T-P-O-D.com slash coffee. And when you do that, you are going to be able to get some amazing coffee that we're loving. You can buy it as a one-time purchase or you can actually get it as a subscription. There's even family packs. So if you know that you've got a lot of coffee drinkers in your household, this is amazing. And it's honestly cheaper than all the coffees we've been making at home. So we are so excited. I hope you are. Go to beatpod.com slash coffee. And, you know, cheers to you and I. Every morning, we'll be drinking the same coffee together. Woo!